Well, hello and welcome to the Meet Me and Isaiah podcast. My name is Marnie Clark. I am your host and we are continuing with our series, Meet Your Messiah. Today we are meeting our Messiah when we sin. Here we go. Okay, so who is our Messiah when we sin? So I don't know if you're like me, just the word sin has these connotations of, ah, I don't know why. Like, I know I'm a sinner. I just want to be perfect. I don't want to sin. I don't want other people to think I'm, I don't know. What is my hang up with this? Like, I should know by now. It's really, really simple. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We know all these things in our head, but how can we get in our heart that when we sin, Jesus's blood covers all of it? And to me, the best way, the best way for me is to know who God is to know who Jesus is. So that's why we are doing this series on meet your Messiah. So what is your Messiah like when you sin? Because when we sin is when we really, 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 really need a Messiah. So, um, you know, Romans 2, 4 says his kindness is what leads us to repentance. His kindness is what leads us to repentance. And that is so true. I mean, it's just so true. Looking in Isaiah, these verses are so beautiful. Isaiah 40, verse 1 says, Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So it's like those verses are so amazing and beautiful. And they were beautiful then that God was speaking tenderly some ver- some versions say speak tenderly to her but for us on this side of the cross we know that when it says that Israel had received double for her sins it's like when we know that our sins have actually been placed on Jesus oh my goodness god is speaking kindly and tenderly toward me because Jesus took my sins, they're no longer there. But that is such a hard concept to get. Like that is so hard. Also, I don't know about you, but there's something of, I don't know, when I was younger, it seems like the testimonies that I would hear in church were like, I used to be this horrible, bad sinner. And then I became saved. And then now I don't sin anymore. And maybe that's not what they said. They probably didn't say that. But as a child, that's kind of what I heard. It was like, okay. So I think, okay, well, I should know this by now. I should be better by now. But the truth is, we're just going to keep on sinning. Hopefully, not as much because God does mature us. He does cleanse us. He does shape us. So maybe we do keep sinning as much. Maybe they're just different sins. I don't know. But I do know that the more I know who Jesus is, the more I know what to do when I sin. 
And what is so destructive, what the worst thing that can happen when we sin is if we run, if we hide, because it just prolongs, it just prolongs the the agony and it makes things worse. It makes things worse. And so, you know, just a funny illustration, we have um, standard poodles and they're very, very smart and very mischievous. So that combination is just lethal and just really tries my patience a bunch. But I so said their names are Roger and Reagan and Roger and Reagan get in trouble all the time. They love to take things. They're just, you know, I mean, I think they just want to play, but they love taking napkins and paper towels for some reason. I don't know why, but I don't know why, but they just love napkins and paper towels. I almost more like I think almost and I could be wrong, but I feel like if I put a steak down on the counter or like in reach and then put a napkin next to it, I may try that and just like walk away and see what they go for first. They I think they would take the napkin. It's really, really odd. So Reagan Reagan seems a little smarter than Roger. He's just like crazy smart. Like my husband says, he's like literally the smartest dog he's ever seen. It's it's kind of scary, honestly. <laughs> but Reagan will take something and he runs off and we have to chase him to get it back. And his favorite thing to do, this is kind of a side note, is that we have this big dining room table and it's kind of in a kind of in the corner of our of our room and so he will go <laughs> to that corner and he's he knows he just will have me chase him around and around the table and it's like there's no way to trap him and I'm just running in circles <laughs> and so mad especially if it's something I really need like maybe he took something that like I really need or especially if I have somewhere to be and he's making me late and if it's both of those things then I am just furious so if you think I'm really sweet and nice and kind I'm glad that you don't see my reaction when Reagan does this so Roger probably picked all this up from Reagan because Roger's younger, but Roger will take things probably as much as Reagan. But when you call him, he doesn't take you on this race around and around the table. He will actually bring whatever it is back to you. And so I'll call him and his cute little face, like he's got our kitchen towel in his mouth. I don't know why that's his favorite thing, actually. So he'll he'll come and have the little kitchen towel and I'll and I'll get it from him. And so if you come to my house and it's like I keep trying to buy new kitchen towels, but the ends are frayed, you're probably like, gosh, can they not buy some new kitchen towels? But like as soon as we buy one, he bites bites it and frays it. But anyway, but I just can't get mad at him because he like comes to me and, and hands me this towel or whatever it is. And I just can't get mad at him. And I actually think about when he does this, I think about how God has compassion on me when I mess up and I come to him. Because when I see him come to me with that towel, I'm just like, oh, he's so cute. But anyway, so 
I'm going to bring us to, I'm going to, oh, before that, I was going to say, I'm going to bring us to some verses in Isaiah 30, but I want to say this first, because when I say, what does our Messiah look like when we sin? Who is God to us when we sin? Well, what's so beautiful is God showed us who he is through Jesus. We see Jesus's interactions with sinners and Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 is so beautiful. So it says this, it says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Okay. So Isaiah is one of those prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of of his nature, and he holds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Okay, that's so beautiful. So Jesus is the exact imprint of the Father. So if we want to know what the Father looks like, we can look at Jesus and see. So when we sin, what is God doing? Okay, so if you've not read the book, Gentle and Lowly, it's beautiful, beautiful. It's called Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. So here is a quote from that book that I just love. It says, what if the abstract became concrete? What if the heart of God wasn't just something coming down to us from heaven? but something that showed up among us here on earth. What if we saw God's heart, not in a prophet telling us words, but in a prophet telling us he was God's word, the embodiment of all that God wanted to say to us. If Jeremiah 31 20, my heart yearns for him. If those words were to get dressed in flesh, what might those words look like? We need not wonder. It looks like a Middle Eastern carpenter restoring men's and women's dignity and humanity and health and conscience through healings and exorcisms and teaching and hugging and forgiving. Oh my goodness, how beautiful. I love how he puts that. Like I would like to say that, but he says it so much more beautifully. So I thought I would just quote his book. So Jesus not only shows us who God is like by his interactions with sinners, but he also gave us the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, 11 through 32. Now, if you haven't read that story, you probably have, but if you haven't, go and read it. It is so beautiful. So, so beautiful. So let's back up before we talk about the story of the prodigal son and let's read Isaiah 30, 18, because to me, this is how Isaiah is talking about the picture of the father when we sin. So first of all, Isaiah, thir- let's go to Isaiah 30, 15. First, it says, for thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel has said, in repentance and rest, you shall be saved in quietness and trust is your strength. But you were not willing. And you said, no, we will flee on horses. 
therefore you shall flee and and we will ride on swift horses therefore those who pursue you shall be swift okay so he's saying basically now I'm thinking about my illustration with the poodles okay <laughs> like Reagan you run away you know you don't return like Roger with when you sin so he's saying just what is what is going to save you is returning looking to God that's all that's what he wants for us he wants us to come to him and our tendency which he says here is you are not willing you run you ran off okay and so then down this is the picture to me that the prodigal son story tells so well so then in verse 18 it says therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you for the Lord is is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. So you get this picture of God up in heaven, just like waiting, like, oh, uh, I just cannot wait to have compassion on you. And so that is the, the story of the prodigal son that Jesus taught. He was talking about the father in the story was was just waiting. He was standing there looking for the son to come back. And when the son came back, it's it's so funny because the son had all these things that he had rehearsed in his head. It was like he was going, okay, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. And I'm sorry. And and literally when the son is, is saying all these groveling things, like I'll be your servant and all the stuff he wanted to to say, to try to get back in his father's good graces, the father is kind of ignoring him. And I love that. I think that's so cool. He's just kind of ignoring all that. And instead he says, quick, get the best robe, put a robe around him and, you know, a ring on his finger and let's throw a party. And so I'm like, really? Is, is that who my Messiah is when I sin? Is he saying, you're back. Let's throw a party. Let me honor you like that. Okay. It makes no sense, but, but let's just like read it and believe it because this will really, really, really break you free from the condemnation that keeps us in our sin. You know, the condemnation that we feel often keeps us in our sin because we just run away and things get worse and worse and worse. Okay, so what did I just say about the robe? I love it. So, of course, Isaiah 61 talks about a robe, which when I read this, I think so much about that prodigal son getting the best robe. And so Isaiah 61 10 says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation he has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with garland and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Ah, okay, that's so cool. So the prodigal son was given a robe and a ring. So that is just, ah, love it, love it, love it, love it. What I was told, I don't know if this is true, but I have heard that the best robe probably would have belonged to the father in that prodigal son story. So how beautiful that he wraps us in his robe, in his robe of righteousness. Another illustration of who God is when we sin. You think about Peter 
who who was Jesus to him after he had denied him three times when Jesus was in his worst, the worst horrible point when he was being condemned for us. Peter denied him three times, but when when Jesus had resurrected and Peter saw it was Jesus, he went running to him. He went running to him because he knew Jesus. He knew him. He knew his compassion. And so how did Jesus respond to Peter when he ran to him for the first time seeing him after his denial of him, his three-time denial? Well, Jesus speaks tenderly to him. And not only does he speak tenderly to him, he gives him a really important job. He honors him. He entrusts him with an important job. So let's John 21 Verse 15, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. Verse 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. So it's just amazing because Peter denied him three times. And Jesus literally gave him three times to tell him that he loved him. And he gave him a special, most special job. And so you think that restoration, you see that heart of God is, he didn't even say, hey, Peter, we got something to talk about. You know what? I forgive you for, I mean, he didn't even call him out on his sin. He knew, like Peter said, he knew all things. He knew Peter was, was crushed over his sin. He just spoke tenderly to him, tenderly to him. Okay, so what does God do when we sin? Isaiah thirty-eight seventeen. I love this verse so much because it gives me a picture who he is to us when we sin. It says, it is you who has kept my soul from the pit of nothingness for you have cast all my sins behind your back. He cast our sins behind his back. That is so beautiful. If God himself cast our sins behind his back, then we can certainly move forward. We get to live knowing that judgment is behind us. So I was just in a Sunday school class recently, and the teacher said, what does life look like if you live with judgment behind you? Oh, my goodness. If you realize all of the judgment against you is behind you, Listen, I mean, that freedom, that is amazing. It is amazing. Okay, so these verses are in Micah. Micah 7, 18 through 19. It says, Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Okay, so we've got, he 
all these pictures, God knew we would need these pictures because it's so hard to grasp that of how he treats us when we sin. He puts our sins behind his back. He tramples them underfoot. He casts them into the depths of the sea. I mean, oh my goodness. Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our iniquities. He does all that. And then, of course, he goes a step farther. As we saw, he puts a robe around us and a ring on our finger. I mean, unbelievable. Do you believe that because we are in the beloved, because we are in Christ, God actually says to you what he said to Jesus, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, or you are my beloved daughter with you I am well pleased. Those words are just so amazing. When I sin, I just have to remind myself who God is, who my Messiah is. He is the God who cannot wait to have compassion on me. And so the best thing I can do when I sin is to run quickly to him and to receive this. you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss future episodes. And if you'd like to contact us, please reach out at info at meetmeinisaiah.com.